Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I want to open up with a story. This happened when I was two years old as a Christian. I accepted Christ at 19, so I was about 21. And before I met Christ, I, 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 I lived a pretty dark life. And one of the things I did regularly was pornography. And so I accepted Christ, and I went two years without it. And I became very involved in my local church. And so I'm teaching a Sunday school class. On Sunday nights, I'm helping uh, with the toddlers and watching them. And then I fell back in to this awful thing called pornography. And I, I felt so bad, and I kept trying to get out of it. And so the cycle went like this. I'd say, God, I'm sorry. I'd come to church. I'd feel great shame. And then I'd fall into it again. Then I'd say, I'm sorry. And I'd fall into it again. Then I'd say, I'm sorry. I'd fall into it again. And last week when we talked about the encounter Jesus had with the woman caught in the act of adultery, um, we learned that that's a process of growing and we learned how to do it. If you weren't here, that's all available for free online. But I just was in church thinking, I just need to walk away from God. I, I, I feel like a hypocrite. I can't believe I keep failing in this area. And I'm sure everyone in this room, for one reason or another, maybe not that reason, we have all felt that way. Maybe many of you feel that way today. But how about this? Not even something like that. How about just failures? I, I think of the ministry, and August will be 35 years that I've pastored believers, and I, I've had so many failures in so many different areas of ministry that I can't count them all on my hands and, and my toes. I just can't count them all. I need more toes and hands. And, uh, and I can tell you, some of them were humiliating. Some of them made me feel great shame. And I'm sure there's many of you that have had some major failures in your life where you carry the shame around. And the guy we're going to look at today, he had a huge failure. It was very public. It's in the Bible, by the way. And so it's a huge, huge failure that he had and we're going to find out how Jesus reached out to him and what Jesus did for him. So this is my big idea. This is what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever, which means I know some of you know this. I just want to help take us all to the next level. And it goes like this. Nothing you do can stop God from loving and using you. Now, I hope to make this really real. Nothing you did or nothing you do can stop God from loving and using you. One of our core values here at Believer's Church is this. No perfect people are allowed. So if you're perfect, we must ask you to go. You cannot come to church here. The board has told me if I should ever become perfect, I have to step down as pastor. And I say, guys, you don't have to worry. It's just not going to happen in my lifetime. So I'm secure here. I can stay till I'm ready to retire, right? But no one is perfect. And we know that. We know God wants to grow us. We know God loves us so much. He doesn't want to let us stay where we're at, and He wants us to grow out of things. But what we want to understand is, even when we're struggling, nothing you do can stop God from loving and using you. And here's a beautiful scripture. I love the way the New Living Bible translated this. It's a paraphrase, but they did a good job with the Greek here. It goes like this, 1 John 4, 18. We need have no fear of someone, that's God in the context, who loves us perfectly. And the word for love is agape. It's going to come up again. But he loves us perfectly. 
His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. That's amazing. Think about that. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what he might do to us and shows us, listen to this, that we are not fully convinced that he really loves us. So what he's saying is you do not understand the love of God if you're afraid of God. And so if you accepted Christ, he loves you with this ridiculous, it's so hard to explain, love called agape love. It's unconditional. He loves you. And does he want us to live wrong? No, but he knows we're going to fail. And guess what? He loves us and he wants to use us no matter what we've done. Of course, he wants to grow us. I want to make sure I throw that in. Yeah, he wants to grow us, but that's going to take a while for each and every one of us, right? And we need to know how much God loves us while we're walking through that time. So our encounter is with somebody really famous. His name's Peter. And Peter was one of the 12 apostles, very famous, walked with Jesus for three and a half years. And Jesus told him at the Last Supper, I'm going to be crucified. And before, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny me three times or you'll deny you know me three times. Peter said, Jesus, that will never happen. Jesus said, you'll deny you know me three times before the rooster crows. So Jesus is arrested. He's at the courthouse. He's being tried. Peter's out waiting, and he was asked three times in a row, aren't you one of his disciples? First time he said no. Second time he said no. Third time he said blankety no. I mean, he just lost it and said, no, I'm not. And he ran off, and guess what? Jesus had told them, I want you to go to the upper room. I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. Peter felt so much shame. You know what he did? He went fishing. He was a professional fisherman. He grabbed a couple other disciples, and he said, guys, let's go back into business. I just, I can never serve God because I blew it. Can you imagine how big he uh, blew it in one sense? But he said, I can never, never do this again. But guess what Jesus did? Jesus reached out to him. So the disciples are fishing. They fished all night. They caught nothing. And these are professionals. So this guy comes up on shore. They don't know who it is. He brought some bread. They didn't know he had bread. And he just shouts out. He says, Hey, how's it going, guys? They said, oh, we fished all night. We haven't caught anything. So this guy, they don't know who it is. He says, throw your nets over on this side. So they do, and the nets fill up with over 100 fish, 155 actually, and they're, they're struggling to pull it in. But as soon as that happened, Peter thought, I saw this before. And he jumped out of the boat. He swam and then ran to shore because he knew it was Jesus. And I want you to think about how much Jesus loves us. Jesus appeared to Peter, not to rebuke him. He, he appeared to him to stretch out his arms and say, hey man, I love you. And don't worry about what happened. I'm st I still love you. And by the way, I'm going to use you for the rest of your life. And that's how he showed his love. But some other things happened that we want to look at. So we're going to look at the text where Jesus fed them breakfast. And right after breakfast, he said three things to Peter. He asked him three questions. And each time he did it was for one of the times that Peter denied he knew him. And it's just so powerful. In order to get everything out of it, we have to know the Greek words for love because we see the English word love, but it's two different Greek words being interchanged. So there's power in it when you know what those words are. So I thought, why don't we just all just talk about the four words in your Bible. When you read your New Testament, you see love. It can be one of four words. So here's one of the Greek words that's translated as love. It's called eros, and it means erotic love based on body chemistry. 
and it has self in mind. And so this is all on appearance and it can also have a lustful tint to it. But you might be reading it and it just says love, but it's, it's a totally different Greek word, right? Here's the second one, storgy, and it means natural affection for a child or parents. It develops over time for your husband or wife. It takes a year or so before you feel the same thing for your husband or wife. It would be true for siblings, right? And can we all agree with our parents, with our kids, there's a love that's there that's different. I mean, you would lay your life down for somebody that you have storgy for, and it's just natural. It just comes. So think of that affection. I remember growing up, um, my brother Dave had grand mal epilepsy, so he would just fall down and have seizures randomly uh, all through the day. So they had him on 21 pills, most of them barbiturates, and those pills began to disfigure his face, and his gums would grow, and his lips grew bigger, and, and, and he, he was dumbed down because he couldn't think clear. And I, went, I changed high schools my senior year, and one, one guy I became best friends with, uh, he, he was a rough, tough guy, and I'd never considered myself the toughest guy anywhere. I was pretty strong, but he had never come to my house, so I brought him to my house, and he began to pick on my brother Dave. And Dave drowned uh, when he was 21, you know, began to pick on him. And I said, don't pick on my brother. I said, can't you see he's, you know, he's got special needs. And, and he just picked on him again. And I'm, I'm getting upset. Now, th this is a friend. It's a very close friend. And he did it a third time. And I just grabbed him. I said, listen, because he was a tough kid. I said, I don't know if I can take you. I'm not sure who will win. But if you say one more thing to my brother or make fun of him, I'm going to beat you into the hospital for sure. I may not win, but you're going to have to be hospitalized when we're finished. And he backed off. Again, I'm not saying I'm the toughest guy, but I was angry. Guys, no, that's, I want you to just see the love. That's a, a love that you're born with, right? Now, here's what I had with my friend. It was the third type of love. It's phileo, and it's translated as love too. Sometimes they put brotherly in front of it, but not often. And it's friendship love based off clicking with and enjoying a person's company, right? And so you know the saying, blood is thicker than water, so storgy is thick, thicker than phileo, right? So you're always going to stick with family if it comes down to that. And uh, in most cases, right, most of us have normal families, right? And, and so in most cases, it's that way. Now, this is one of the loves that you're going to see. It's going to say love, but it's phileo, and, and it's that friendship. You click with somebody. And here, here's the next one. Uh, agape, and I mentioned that was in the verse we looked at first. It's unconditional love that keeps on loving no matter what. And Jesus literally coined or created this word. They tell us in early Greek writings before Jesus, no one ever used agape. He created a word. And that kind of makes sense because the Bible says God is agape. There was no word to describe God. So Jesus began to show us what this word means. And it's an unconditional love that would lay its life down for someone. And when you accepted Christ, that love was literally planted inside you. We all have it. We have to grow in knowing in, in how to release it and how to use it. But this is the love where, where God said that where husbands are to love their wife, agape their wife, like Jesus loves the church. So husbands, we have that ability in us to do that. We can go beyond storgy. We can actually agape our loves. But this is the same love where Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your agape one for another. So every Christian can walk 
in this love. But it's, it's, it's divine. If you don't have Christ in you, you'll never be able to have this come out of you. So we're going to see agape and phileo, and I just wrote them out on the verses so you don't have to think and wonder. You don't have to try to remember. All this will be on PowerPoint. But remember, Jesus hugged Peter. He said, I love you, man. I'm bringing you back into the fold. we got to get you to the upper room, but let me cook you breakfast first. Then they eat breakfast, and he just looked at Peter, and here's what he said, John 21, 13, he said, or 15. He said, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these other disciples? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I phileo you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. See what's going on here? So Jesus says, do you agape me? And this was Peter's problem, and he fixed it. He grew into it because he was afraid to lose his life. So he said, I don't know that guy. I'm not with that guy. I'm not one of his. And so Jesus is telling him, this is what we need to work on. Do you agape me? Peter is so slow, and I understand being slow. Um, he, he didn't get it. Jesus taught them many times about this word. But instead of addressing the word, he didn't even get it. He said, you know I phileo you. In other words, you're one of my friends. I click with you. I really love when you do miracles and teach that Bible. You are awesome. And he just had this friendship love, and he didn't get it. But here's what I want you to see. You ready? He's not all that mature right now. But Jesus said, feed my lambs. In other words, that's going to be part of his ministry. He was called to be an apostle. Lambs would be baby Christians. Feeding would be teaching. He said, hey, I want you to teach the young Christians. And he goes on and he just lets them know, you can be in ministry without being perfect. And that's the point we want to get across. Nothing you do can stop God from loving and using you. Listen to verse 16. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? He's hoping he's going to get it. He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Jesus said, all right, all right, you're not going to get it. Take care of my sheep. That's all the other things you do when you pastor, hospital visits, counseling, all the other things, right? He says, I want you to operate in ministry, Peter. You're not, you're not mature, but I still can use you. And none of us will ever be perfect, but God can still use us. And that's the point that he's bringing across. He already forgave and showed him how much he loved him. So the third time is really amazing, verse 17. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Now, Greek scholars say the word do isn't there. So they say this could actually be translated as a statement, not a question. And really what Jesus said after two times, he said, Peter, you phileo me, and that's cool. I'm a friend, and you love me with a friendship love, and that's all right. But Peter still didn't get it. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked the third time, do you love or phileo me? And listen to the second half of verse 17. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep or teach the mature believers. And so Peter didn't get it. Jesus is trying to help him get to the next level. And you know what? There's so many areas where you and I have to get to the next level. But guess what? Jesus still loves you. Jesus still wants to use you. And if you think you have to be perfect before God can use you, you're not understanding the love of God. God can use us right where we're at. Do we need to grow? Yeah. Does he want us to stay where we're at? No. He can use us. He can take us to the next level, but he's going to use us right where we're at. So no matter what you do, God loves you and God will use you. So I just want to share something that's funny. The Gospel of John was written by John. Of course, the Holy Spirit gave him the words to write. So he's writing right now. And over and over, he said, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved the most. 
And I really feel that he went offline here and just said, I know, God, you're not giving me this, but I, I want to eternally just sock it to Peter so it will be in the Bible for all time. So here's what he said in John 21, 20. Peter turned and saw that the disciple, now he's writing this about himself. He saw that the disciple whom Jesus agape was following them. In other words, John's saying, I know what agape means, and you don't, Peter, but that's okay because I'm his favorite. And then he goes on and says, this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And so it's just like a little dig that he knew would be in the Bible forever. So God has a sense of humor, right? But I'm looking at it, a group of people who no matter what you've done, no matter what you do, God will always love you. And God wants to always use you. He's gifted you to do things for him, and that will never, ever change. So I got to thinking about this thing called shame. Some people walk around with shame. It's unbearable what they're trying to carry. It's impossible to carry it. And then there's this thing called hopelessness because we feel like I have no purpose. God can never really use me. Look at my past. And it causes a problem in this country, and it bugs me when I think of this problem. The problem is suicide. And, you know, there are some people that commit suicide because of chemical imbalances and they need some medication, things like that. But so often it's committed because people just are carrying so much shame and hopelessness, their emotional system can't handle it anymore. And I thought these stats were alarming. Uh, 1,440 people in the United States attempt suicide every day and 70 of them succeed. goes on, this is the same stat. Suicide is the ninth highest uh, cause of death overall in the United States. For people under 30, it's number three uh, highest cause of death. And for teenagers, it's the second highest cause of death. And I think of the incredible lives that are lost because of this awful thing called shame and hopelessness. And I'm hoping this message, I'm hoping... Some of you send it to people that are struggling in that area so we can just set them free. One of the greatest messages I've ever heard in my life, I put it up there at the way top, it was by Pastor Rick Warren. He pastors in Southern California, Orange County. He, he has an average attendance of 60,000 on a weekend, if you can imagine that. It's a huge church. Brilliant guy. He had a son that struggled, was on medication, struggled with a lot of mental illness, and a couple years ago, his son committed suicide. And he took about six months off. And he came back, and the first message he taught, his wife came up and said a few things too. He dealt with that situation. Probably the most incredible message I've ever heard in my life. It's on YouTube. Just put Rick Warren, put suicide or his, you know, his son, and it's going to come up. It's the most life-changing message I ever heard. I just want to encourage you if you think you need to hear more on some of these subjects to listen to that. Here's the question I want to ask you right now. Do you see God's love for you as conditional or unconditional? How do you see it? Are there conditions attached? So I, I grew up in church. My mom and dad made us go to church every Sunday. And if we were out of town, we had to go to church out of town. To a, they found a church and we went to that one. The only time I ever missed church was the measles and the mumps or vacation, and that was it. I mean, we were, they drug us to church. My senior year, I transferred from JFK Catholic High School to Howland. My mom made me go to CCD. I said, I've been in religious religion classes my whole life, a couple times a week. I said, you're going to CCD, boy. And, and so 
I learned so much, and it was so good, but whether it's Protestant or Catholic, I'm not picking on anybody, I learned about conditional love. In other words, if I did something wrong, I was going to be in trouble. And many of you probably have had that same type of thing, that your idea of God is, if I can live just right, I'm okay. If I do something wrong, I'm in trouble. Even after we accept Christ, sometimes that lingers, you know, and it's kind of like, I know I'm going to heaven, but God has got to be very upset with me, right? And so back when I struggled and at two years old as a Christian, I just thought, if, if I die, I don't know if I'm making heaven. And I thought, if I ever met God down here, if he ever came down to see me, he's going to slap me upside the head. And so can you relate? We all kind of understand that. So I remember when I was about 17, I came to a place in my knowledge of God and his conditional love where I thought, you know what? I'm not going to make heaven. There's no way. So if I'm not going to make it, I might as well just have a really good time. And I walked away from God and went into that crazier than crazy lifestyle because I figured there's not enough candles to light. There's not enough masses to have said. This guy isn't, no, no one will like me enough to, to, to pay for a thousand million masses. So I'm gone. And I thought if I'm going there, I might as well just have a good time. You know what? But it works at lower levels too. And some of us just walk away from God and we think, you know what? I mean, God's so frustrated with me. I'm never going to get this right. I might as well just stop living for God and stop serving God. And that's what the enemy wants to do to every single one of us. So that's why I want to bring you up to a place where you just understand no matter what you do, God loves and will always use you. So I want to, can, I, can I read a couple more verses? Here's a cool one. This is Ephesians 1.4. And I want you to see the, the planning and the purpose of God here. It says, long ago, even before God made the world, he chose us to be his very own uh, through what Christ would do for us. So think about this. He chose the whole world. Some of us decide to accept it. Some don't. But think about this. He stands above time. He sees the beginning all the way to the end. He created time, so he's able to do that. I can't comprehend it with my brain, but God can do it. And he saw us, and he said, I, I want to bring them into my family, and I'm going to redeem them. And he goes on and says this, to be his very own through what Christ would do. He decided then to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault, we who stand before him covered with his agape. Just, he puts it in us. He covers us with it. But I don't know if you're catching this. When you accepted Christ, you were made holy, and, and God washed all your sins and all your faults away. Now, do we mess up? Do we, do we sin? Do we? Yeah, but God redeemed you and God sees you through the blood of Jesus. And that is absolutely one of the most amazing things in all the world. Verse five finishes up by saying, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And I love this part. He did this because he wanted to. That's how much God loves every one of you in this room, every one of you online, every one of you at TCI. That's how much God loves us. And, and the enemy's goal is to get you to think he doesn't and to get you to just walk away from God thinking, I'll never make it, I'll never be good enough. And God's saying, no, no, I'll grow you. That's not a problem. First of all, you need to understand how much I love you. But let's talk for a minute about purpose because that's another issue when people become suicidal. They don't realize that they have this purpose in God. 
God created you with a purpose. And every one of us have this incredible purpose in our lives. And so there's a verse I'm going to read. It, you know, God's speaking to Jeremiah the prophet, but it's true of all of us. It, from cover to cover in the Bible, the same thing is said about every one of us. If God had plans from you for you before you were ever born. Now I want you to hear what's said in Jeremiah 1.5. I knew you before you were formed within your mother's womb. Now, that can go a lot of ways, right? God stands above time. So he, he saw you being born. He saw you living your life. That could be one way. But do you know mom and dad are only responsible for your body? Do you know God made your spirit and soul? And that's why it's crazy for you to say you're no good or you're never going to amount. Are you kidding? God made you. We all grow up in different environments, and maybe our environments mess us up, right? But we can all overcome environment because God made us, and he put gifts and abilities inside of us, and it's crazy for us to think we're not of value. Listen to what it says. It goes on to say, before you were born, I sanctified you. That word sanctified literally means I set you apart. And for Jeremiah, he said this, and appointed you as my spokesman, to the world. That's a prophet. So he was a prophet. I'm not a prophet. Probably no one in this room is a prophet, but that's okay. Because guess what? God set all of us apart to do something specific in his kingdom. And I think of our volunteers here. I think of those of you that do things outside of here. I think of the calling on your dear lives and what God created you to do. And the enemy doesn't want you to think you can do it. He doesn't want you to think God made you to do it. And here's God saying as loudly as it can be said, I separated you, I gifted you before you were ever born. Think about that. He made your spirit and soul, put it inside a conception. And he says, I've got a call on your life. And that's where value comes to me. I'm telling you, it doesn't come from just the daily grind of all the other work I do. When I work secular jobs, it didn't come from the secular. My value come from the, came from the fact that God made me. I remember when I was a member of a church and I, I would just teach Sunday school. I'd help the kids out. And I would just think, whoa, I have something so valuable to add. And I'm doing something for the kingdom of God. And it gave me purpose. And that's what God wants us to have. So you might be sitting here saying, okay, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've come from. Well, the children of Israel, no one was worse than them. And uh, they walked away from God so many times, so big, guys, really big. And I love what's said. This is for you too, but it's just, it's, the context is about walking away from God, doing terrible things. And here's what Romans eleven twenty nine says. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. I like that. Never canceled, never rescinded. I love things that have lifetime warranties. How about you? Those are awesome. I love things that pass to the next owner, you know. They, not only is it a lifetime, it will go to someone that buys it off you. And what God's saying about your gifts is they are lifetime. He's saying, I'll never take them away. They'll never stop working. And he's saying, you have to know I love you and I want to use you. And here's my goal as we just get ready to close down, guys. I want you to walk out of here feeling how much God loves you and cares about you. I want you to take that shame and all those heavy burdens and just throw them on God. And I want you to walk out of here thanking God that he will always love you and always lose, use you and uh, never lose you. Hey, if you're excited about that, can we just take a moment and just say thank you, Jesus? Can we do that for a moment, guys?
I'm just, I'm very excited about it. Hey, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. There's a few of you, this is a huge moment right now in your life, really huge, because you walked in here so shamed, so distanced from God. And then there's others. I think all of us have to deal with this periodically, right? So our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a moment of time before God. And for those of you that walked in here with shame, for past failures, for past sins, whatever, I just want you to see yourself taking that shame and just giving it to Jesus because he died for it. And I just want you to thank him for how much he loves you. And for those of you that have thought God could never use me, I want you to just say to God, I realize you want to use me. You use Peter. You used others. You want to use me. Throw me in there. You used Pastor Joe, right? He wants to use you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And he'll never take that purpose and plan away. So there are a few of you, you're really deep out of it. And God's saying, hey, come on back. There's others. That's just that nagging shame. I just want to get rid of that nagging shame. And many of you in between. So have that moment with God. Cast that shame and give it to him. Lord, I thank you for the precious Holy Spirit who opens our eyes and speaks to us whenever the Word of God is read or taught. I thank you for change coming in all of our lives. And Lord, here's my heart's prayer for all of us. Make your love more real than it's ever been, that agape love. And I thank you for doing that, Lord, in our lives. Stay in an attitude of prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you walked in uh, here at the Warren campus. Maybe TCI, maybe the guys invited you tonight and you're, you're there for the first time. Maybe you're watching live stream for the first time. And as you're, you're listening, you say, I'm not sure of my eternity. If I were to die, if I'd go to heaven or to hell. And you might have grown up in church like me, but you, you just don't know. You, you can't remember a day when you made it personal, said, Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven. And I accept you. Or maybe you're different than the way I was brought up. Maybe, maybe you're just not even sure God exists. And I just want to say to you, man, he does. And I can't make you believe that. But Jesus said when people hear the good news, that has the ability to cause people to believe. And he died for your sins. He's God. He gave us life so you can live. And he said, whoever calls on me, I will save them and give them eternal life. So here's the big question. Do you remember a day when you called on him? If not, why not today? He said, whoever calls on my name, I will save them and give them eternal life. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Guys, if you're praying this for the first time, simply mean it and a miracle will happen. The rest of us, can we help them out? Just say this after me. Help them say it for the first time. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and this day I'm looking to Jesus. Jesus, thanks for dying for my sins. And this day, I accept you as Savior. I say, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you were raised from the grave, that you're the only way to heaven. And this day, I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, listen up. You prayed this for the first time. Miracles happen. God washed all your sins away. God gave you the gift of eternal life. All kinds of things happen. 
You might not feel it, but it happened. You know what else is happening right now? The Bible teaches us that all of heaven, all of heaven is celebrating God himself. They're celebrating, and that's because whoever puts faith in Jesus becomes a child of God. So when we have new kids, don't we all celebrate? So all of heaven is celebrating. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.